Final hour of the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. We're still uh, radiating after that Morosi interview. Just an absolute professional. The World Baseball Classic plus John Morosi? Doesn't get much better than that. Mm -hmm. Doesn't get much better than that. But we will try here with our next guest and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That insider is Joey Cash, Joseph Cacharo, senior NBA writer at The Score and co-host of the Pound the Rock podcast. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. We can circle back a bit, Joe. Uh, But I want you to think about the basketball equivalent to what we saw last night in the ninth inning between Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Is it two guys that haven't been in big spots? Just two legends of the game going at it one-on-one? I, I don't know what that is. I was trying to think about it for different sports. I don't really think you can get that close, but I thought basketball might be the closest chance we get to like replicating something like that. So just, uh, you might have it right now, but stew on it a little bit. Maybe we'll revisit at the end of the interview. But for now, let's start with the Raptors. Is this a team rounding into form for you right now? Yeah, I think they're rounding into form. I think, to be honest, they've been rounding into form since the day Jakob Perl rejoined the team and specifically rejoined the starting lineup. Because if you look at their numbers since he did, they I wouldn't say they're an elite team, but they have an elite lineup now. They have a couple of elite lineups, and that's you know both include Jakob Pertl. They're starters with Pirtle in the mix have, have been elite. So I would say they're rounding into form. I think the defense looks a lot better and more sensible since he's arrived. The offense makes a little more sense with that kind of traditional element of a, of a true center in there, finishing inside, setting screens, you know, getting his guys open with screens, making plays out of screens. Things just make more sense with a good starting center in there. And also just, with another good player in there, you know, adding to the depth and kind of pushing everyone down a peg. Like they're still another player away and they could still use another bench piece too. Just if you look at how deplorable the bench minutes have been sometimes, but in general, I think they're rounding into form. And I think just like adding Jakob Pertle alone has made this team make so much more sense. His play alone, obviously, like what he can do in a vacuum himself has been pretty incredible. But who have you seen also have the ripple effect from Jakob Like Fred Van Vliet has looked really great as of late. There was a, a boost right away with Pascal Siakam when those two were reunited. I haven't seen that um, over the last little stretch as much as we did. But how has he affected just the play of others, maybe alleviating some of the load that some were carrying um, a lot of, a lot of heavy minutes. Some guys were getting up to the trade deadline that you might see their trickle effect uh, really positive here. I think the biggest one is Fred. Uh, I actually wrote about this last week. If you look at, if you look at how Fred has been rejuvenated or looks rejuvenated since Jakob uh, came back to Toronto, it's really glaring. I mean, it, this might be kind of small sample size theater, but the thing I was looking at is if you look at Fred Van Vliet's effective field goal percentage, it's basically just a, a way of calculating field goal percentage so that you also um, kind of place more emphasis on the fact that threes are more difficult, but they're also worth more. Um, Fred Van Vliet's effective field goal percentage before the trade deadline was in the low 40s. That's not good. Uh, since the trade deadline, but with Jakob Pertl off the court, it's like 39 with Jakob Pertl on the court. It's 59. So 
again, I know it's small sample. I'm not going to say, well, this is this is obvious. Look at what he's mm-hmm. doing. But I sometimes the numbers don't lie, and this is one of those cases where I don't think they do. I think Fred Van Vliet, you know, kind of an undersized guard, having a true center who's also one of the best screeners in the league, getting him more open shots simply with his screening, I think has helped his shooting percentages look more like Fred Van Vliet again. They've also helped Fred Van Vliet look more like a natural point guard than he has before, that he has in a long time, because he now has a true seven-footer, a true center who's screening and then go moving into the right spaces, screening and rolling. Um, Fred can actually deliver the pass to him after a screen. Jakob can either score from there or do something from there. That's helping Fred. Like, it's incredible how much better Fred looks. And again, you know, I could keep going back to like this team just makes more sense. It's incredible how much more of a point guard Fred looks like with Pirtle in the mix. On the other side of that, do you think there's been a, a lack of space or opportunity for Precious Achua since the addition of Jakob Pertl that's maybe caused a dip in his performance? Obviously, he got the DND the other day. He hasn't, he hasn't obviously had the most prolific of season in general, but there was a little bit maybe of a, a trial and error stage for him with Jakob Pertl coming into the fold. And is there a way to get Precious to a level where he is contributing at least on a consistent basis because, as you mentioned, they're really riding the starters a lot and they need that bench unit to do something if they want to make some noise here. Yeah, they definitely need more from Precious, and it definitely seems like any somewhat momentum that he had started to build after he came back from injury was interrupted by mm-hmm. Pirtle coming back, but that's really no excuse for him because Achua, for as promising as his you know, second half of last season was, for as promising as a couple stretches were this season, by and large, he still has a lot to prove in the NBA as like a consistent rotation player, let alone a starter. So, you know, yeah, did it affect his minutes? It did, but I, it's kind of like, you know, tough stuff. Like you got you to deal with it and figure it out. And, you know, I thought Sunday in Milwaukee was probably the best, precious minutes we've seen in a while when they had him on Giannis a couple times thought he was defending well so hopefully that's something to build on and early in in uh Pirtle's tenure when I think OG was out of the lineup precious actually started with Pirtle a couple games and he wasn't bad in those games either so I do wonder if part of it was maybe you know going back to the bench was there a little bit of maybe sulking going on I'm not sure but I hope Sunday is the beginning of something building again for Achua because they do need him. I mean, him not being the guy they expected him to be coming out of last year has been one of the disappointments of this disappointing season. So big week ahead here over the course of seven nights, the Raptors will stage four home games, three of which against potential playing opponents. Maybe it's a bit of a stretch to include Indiana in there, but that's kind of the group, right? Four winnable games. You can throw the Pistons in there uh, as more of a layup. Well, well, at least the Raptors hope, uh, but um, you know, the Pistons are never a layup for the Raptors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right when I said it, I was like, ah, but everyone but the Raptors. Um, so big games, right? And it, and it kind of a perfect gauge of where you're at. Like if you're going to be, you know, whether or not you see merit in the play-in tournament, uh, you're going to find out where you stand in the play-in tournament over the yeah. next week here. At least it seems uh, they have the benefit of home court, which has been a huge, huge thing, at least it seems, here for the Raptors. Is this kind of like where we can really put our stake in the ground and make a judgment on this team based on the next week of of play, all of which coming at home and all of which coming almost exclusively against teams that are in the same kind of category that the Raptors have sort of stumbled into this season? 
I'll say yes and no. Yes, because I get what you're saying. And, you know, with uh, who they're playing and the fact they're at home, like they need to, I mean, realistically, they should probably go four or no. Like three and one at the absolute worst. And I'd say if they don't do that, I mean, that is an indictment of this team. But the reason I'll also say no is because even if they do go three and one or four and oh, like it's nice. They'd be back over 500 for the first time since early December. And they definitely at that point have pretty much solidified a play in spot. But there would still be questions of like, okay, well, they beat, you know, Indiana, Detroit, and Washington at home. I guess Miami is the big one. If they can, I, to be honest, I think that Miami game at the end of the stretch, or no, wait, do they play Miami? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. The last oh, they game do. at yeah, home they do. Right? Yeah, yeah that, that's the one where I think, especially if they've won the previous three, if they take care of business in that game, I think that'll be an indication that, you know, this team has grown up a little over the last few weeks and is, you know, a little more serious because that's the game where, you know, Miami's in the seventh seed. If they win three in a row going into that and then beat Miami at that point, they should be in pretty good shape to at least compete for that seventh seed. And we know that's just huge because again, this team's competence at home is a lot better than it is on the road. And if you get that seventh seed, you know, well, first of all, if you get the seven or eight seed, you get two chances in the play in at work, you know, mm-hmm. worst case. And if you get the seventh seed, both, you know, including the seven, eight game would be at home. So I think while I maybe hesitate to say, you know, like they'll kind of prove what they're about by beating these teams this week. I definitely think if they're serious about making any kind of play in slash, maybe playoff noise, they got to basically win out this week. Yeah, it seems like they obviously have something to gain here because they can move up and the carrot to go up to eighth is massive. It's a massive, massive deal to get into the eighth position and four games at home against winnable opponents maybe puts yourself in that position. So a lot to gain, but in terms of like overall uh, blanket statements, it seems like they have more to lose over the next four games. If they somehow go two and two, it, it just does not look good on the prospects of success this season. But it is at home, which is important. But I can't shake, like, why, do you have a justification for why the road and home splits are so uh, drastic? Like, the Warriors are struggling on the road, like, yeah. like, historically so. So if the Warriors can go through it, I guess so can the Raptors. But it just doesn't feel like it should be as much of a determining factor as it is. You know, uh, one thing I wrote about a couple times actually this season, once at the beginning of the year and then once around the midway point, checking back in on it, was just that, like, now the, the season playing out has shown that it's true. But even from the beginning of the season, if you kind of looked around at the rosters around the league, if you looked at the betting odds, like the championship odds, the win totals uh, for over-under, if you looked at even, like, projection systems and the way they broke down the percentages of teams' chances to win at all, this was going to be, and it has proven to be, the most balanced NBA season, the most parity-filled NBA season of our lifetimes, and honestly, probably since like the late 70s, when some random stuff happened in the NBA. And so the only thing I can come up with for the home road splits this season, because there's not many teams at all playing well on the road, it's not like just a handful, is that maybe because the league is so balanced and the um, the margin between teams is thinner than it's been before. Perhaps like the, you know, the difference in home versus road is like the one thing separating teams a lot of nights. And that's the one thing I can think of. And so maybe, you know, home teams are winning more this year because teams are more evenly matched. I don't think that's the most scientific answer. And I'm not saying that's the only thing going on here, but I do think that's been a big part of it. Um, just because, yeah, you know, if, if the margin 
between teams of like the equivalent of say a point or two here or there. Well, we, you know, we do know from history that uh, home court and basketball can make, I, I don't remember what the exact number is for the average amount of point difference it makes, but it's pro it, it's more than what the margin is this year between evenly matched teams. So I think that might just be it. Teams are so evenly matched. There's not many teams that are, have really separated themselves from the pack. And even some of those teams aren't doing that well on the road. I mean, there's always something about being home in your own atmosphere and your own routine, your own food, your own locker room. I'm sure a small factor of that is is happening with the, with the Raptors. Seven straight wins on home uh, court. So, you know what? This is the time to keep building those with the next four at home. Um, yesterday, Nick Nurse in the media mentioned that he thinks that this team needs playoff experience. Now, how much do you think a Raptors team can really you know, improve or, or learn if they have a play-in game or two this round, um, this time around. And is that how you view this team as well, really needing to play in meaningful opportunities, whether it's just one game, or two games this year, in terms of looking to build a future that maybe next year, the year after, they're going a little further than a play-in round? I find it a little hard to believe, only because, like, you know, Fred and Pascal have, and o, well, OG was, you know, um, out because of the appendix issue when they won the title, but he was on a championship team and it was a big part of the run to the second round the next year and a huge seven game series in Boston. Fred and Pascal have literally won championships and played very key roles on that team. Scotty, you could argue for sure, you know, like any big time late season, postseason type games would be good for his development. So I do understand that it may be precious a little, but like, I don't know. Like Pirtle's got some playoff experience. It's hard for me to buy in, and I get what Nick's saying and doing. You know, he's also trying to incentivize it because there are a lot of people that will say, like, what's the point of this late season push and making the play in if you're just going to lose in the first round? So I get what he's doing, but I just struggle to believe. You know, I thought it made more sense last year when, like, Barnes was a rookie, Achua was his first time playing real minutes. and But at this point, I feel like there's not really much to be gained or that's going to be different about these guys if they get one or two extra, you know, meaningful games in there versus if they just build a good team. And I like, I think that'll be more important for these guys than, you know, getting one or two extra games or maybe getting around it. Uh, tonight's special night at Scotiabank Arena, Canada basketball will be celebrated on Canadian basketball night here. Um, I mean, it's obviously super fitting that there's a lot of Canadians coming into town, at least tonight and over the last week or two. Um, I'm sure you've been following Canada basketball for a little bit right now. Where do you assess the state of, of where Canadians are in not only NCAA, but NBA and how great it is to have a night that celebrates uh, the Canadian success as of, as of this point? Yeah, the celebration is good. I mean, the, the raps have been um, kind of going above and beyond in terms of celebrating that Canadian talent, because there's not many teams in the league that will give, a visiting player, a little video intro, which the Raptors have been doing for every Canadian player that comes into town this year. Um, but no, I think in terms of your question about like where Canadian basketball or Canadians in the NBA are right now, I think the answer would be like better than ever. The depth of talent, the the quality of talent. I mean, sure, we can all remember when we were younger when it came to Canada basketball. Like if they could scrape one or two NBA guys for a you know, national qualifying session or a tournament, that was hard enough. Now you're looking at a situation where they're going to have to turn NBA players away. Like if they were to hold, mm. even, like if they were to actually hold trials, like guys would get cut 
and like some NBA rotation players would not make it. That's how deep Canada is now. You know, it's been how many years in a row that they've had the second most NBA players in the world. And again, I think it's also that quality of talent. Like you look at what Shea Gilgis Alexander is doing. He's having, in terms of on-court impact and kind of where he ranks among his peers in the NBA, having the best seasons, maybe by a Canadian ever, but certainly at least since Steve Nash won two MVPs. Um, again, the depth around the league, I, I just think it's great. And I think, um, you know, if this is very much the golden generation of Canadian basketball, hopefully it just continues to build, but also hopefully they take advantage of that on some level at the international level, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, whether it's the world cup this summer, or the Olympics going forward, it really would be a shame. I'm not saying they got to win a gold because we know how hard that would be to beat the Americans, but you know, they got to at least medal at some point here. Yeah, it's time for this to finally bear fruit, right? And exactly. I, think, I think with those uh, video montages, just legal tampering, just, uh, you know, being friendly <laughs> yeah. to the Canadian hey, guys, making I'm sure that they're uh, welcome here at any time yeah. in which they choose. Uh, okay, so Joel Embiid has taken over the uh, reins as the favorite to win the MVP, although uh, things are a little bit dicey all of a sudden after a really good run with James Harden uh, dealing potentially with an injury. Uh, how do you gauge the MVP market right now? We've seen the Jokic slip, and I think people want to have the Jokic slip so they don't have to vote for him for a third consecutive year. <laughs> but Giannis is sniffing around as well. Is this, M- uh, I always say that, MVP'd. Yeah, MVP'd. Is this uh, the MVP going to Joel Embiid this year? Or is this thing still wide open with like 10 games left? I still think it's open. I, look, if you ask me, I would still have Jokic as the favorite, but I agree it's way by way less of a margin over Embiid and Giannis than it was like a month ago. I definitely think those guys deserve to be in the race and should be in the race. And they very much are. I think the next few weeks really will decide it. Like if, if Jokic kind of gets on a heater again and the Nuggets, you know, who are all like the thing with the Nuggets is they were, they had built like a seven and a half game lead in the West. It's just hard to stay sharp for 82 games when you're on that kind of cruise control, but no excuse. Still, I think like if you take the entire season into account from October to now, I think on balance, Jokic has been the MVP overall, but I think Embiid has done a lot to close the gap. I think you can't go wrong with Giannis when you consider how good he's been for the best team in basketball and how good he is on both ends. And like just how like expected it is now. I mean, the other night, the Raptors did a good job of quote unquote taking him out of the game. Like they did. He only took nine shots, but he still ended up with a 20-plus point triple-double on nine of nine shooting. And that was considered kind of like, well, they kept them at bay. Um, And he's doing that for the best team in basketball. So I think between those three guys, you can't go wrong. I personally would still give the edge slightly to Jokic, but I really do think it could change over the next 10 games. Yeah, ironically, you kind of need non-competitive games to help your case. Like Joel Embiid's putting up these ridiculous numbers against the Charlotte Hornets, but like, yeah, it's like what resistance is Joel Embiid running into uh, putting up, you know, 60 combined points, rebounds, and assists uh, against the Charlotte Hornets? Uh, the, The answer is not much. Okay, you've been talking a lot, so maybe you haven't been able to think as much oh, on I've, the first I've got it already. you got, got it? it okay oh, what, yeah. what is what is the basketball yeah. version of otani trout okay so here's the thing i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, preface this by saying i'm well aware of the difference in stakes i'm well aware of like last night was for a championship at the international level and what i'm about to bring up is it stakes wise is nowhere near the same but from a strictly sentimentality standpoint and a strictly just like being in the moment and being like wow how cool is this 
if anyone remembers the 2016 All-Star game in Toronto, mm. there was that moment late in the game in what everyone knew was going to be Kobe's last All-Star game in his farewell season where everyone was showing him love all year in every arena where LeBron picked him up and asked to go like demand, like kind of ensured he was going to guard Kobe one-on-one on that possession. And the crowd rose in unison. It became, it was like a standing ovation during the possession. The atmosphere in the building was insane. The eight other like NBA megastars on the court just chilled, like completely stopped. They weren't running any sets on offense. They weren't doing anything on defense. They were just watching LeBron smacking the floor, putting his arms out, basically saying like, I'm ready for you. Let's go. And then Kobe attacking him. That to me is the closest thing I can think of, at least in terms of just like, again, I know the stakes, obviously it's an all-star game. It doesn't matter, but still that to me, had that same kind of feeling of like, wow, we're in a moment right now. This is cool. And it had the added, I think, um, element of like with Kobe and LeBron, there were so many years where it was like, okay, this is the year we're going to get a Kobe LeBron final. It's going to be like passing the torch. It's going to be so cool. And then for a variety of reasons, it never happened. Dwight Howard spoiled things for the Cavs a couple of years when it should have been Cavs Lakers. Or then when we thought it was going to be Heat Lakers, um, you know, Kobe started his downturn and got hurt or the Lakers never figured things out. So we never got that in the play, like this, this moment in this series we all thought was going to happen. The best we could really get from the Kobe LeBron duels were on Christmas. So, I think that all-star moment, again, I, I've said it like three times now, I know the stakes are nowhere near the same, but as soon as you asked it at the beginning of the show, that's like the moment that popped into my head because it really, really was like a special, oh man, I should remember this, like take it in, look around the arena, look at the players on the court and really like think of what I'm witnessing here. It was really, really a special moment. Obviously, you know, with Kobe tragically passing years later, it kind of, it ends up holding more meaning, unfortunately, but uh, that's the moment I'd go with. No, you nailed it. I think mm-hmm. that's the one. Uh, we appreciate it, Joe. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the stretch drive here. And uh, hopefully we'll chat again before the playoffs begin. Yeah, we'd love to join you all again. Thank you. Uh, that's Joseph Cachero, NBA, senior NBA editor at The Score and co-host of the Pound the Rock podcast. One of our favorites and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Special night at Scotiabank Arena, as we mentioned, celebrating Canadian basketball talent and we're going to talk to someone that's produced two of those at least uh claude nemhard father of andrew nemhard who's playing for the pacers and, and ryan and of course ryan sophomore at creighton who is in the sweet 16 the ncaa tournament uh it's got his eyes on a lot of important games here down the stretch and he's going to join us longtime basketball coaches as well and he's uh he was most recently the executive director of ontario basketball so he's been a part of the growth of this game in the city and across the country for a little while here. So Claude's going to join us on the other side of the break and we'll do a baby wake and rake. So send your picks in at 590-590. We'll get to that after we chat. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money. With Ailish and Justin. All right, it's time for a hybrid Wake and Rake as we wait to get Claude on. We're bouncing around a bit here. We're bouncing. Um, we're going to do our match play picks for the Dell match play, which is literally happening in about one hour. So we got to get those picks in. We got to get our selections in for our Fan X Cup. 
I get to go first because I... Didn't go first last didn't time. Didn't go first last time. So just a reminder of how this works. We pick two favorites each. We pick someone from 25 to one odds to 50 to one odds 50 plus and then one Canadian. So mm-hmm. I'm going back to the well. Scotty Scheffler plus 800, the favorite of the tournament. Easy selection for me. Um, not even questioning in my former champ. No, there's no need to question that. Uh, eight to one. So I'm, uh, you know, if I'm going to get back into this, probably off my list, I'll go to the next best uh, golfer in terms of shortest odds. That's John Rom. John Rom's John Rom. Not much I have to explain there as well. He's uh, he's a stud. These are the two best golfers in the world right now. The guys who are most successful right now on the PGA Tour. So it's probably makes sense that they're the first two off the board. All right. I'm picking Patrick Cantlay for my next one. Interesting. A, a lot of excitement around him this this um, week, I guess. Um, so he's going to be my second pick in the top group here. I'm going to go Max Homa. I want to be there when he wins. Uh, so I'll continue to pick him. Uh, I wish he was kind of 25 to 50 range, but he's played himself into favorite range. He's 22 to one. He'll be my uh, second favorite. One of my favorite picks is Jason Day plus wow, 3,000. Everybody's talking about Jason Day this mm. week. Um, he's a twice winner of this championship. He is, I like to pick a former winner. And so he knows how to do it. This is a very in, like unique match play is very unique. It's a different skill set. So I really like Jason Day um, plus, what did I say? Plus 3,000? Yep, 30 yeah, to 1. Perfect. I'll go Victor Hovland, 25 to 1. Is that allowed? Yeah. A little grace period on each side, 25 uh. to 1. We'll t- I'll take Victor Hovland. If you if you want me to mix it up, I, I can. All good. All good, 25 to 1. Victor Hovland, no sweat there. My next pick will also be my Canadian, Corey Connors, plus 6,000. He's in my 50-plus uh, odds and also my Canadian, so I'll pick one more after that, but Corey Connors. I'll grab my Canadian too, Nick Taylor. Give you first pick of the long shots. Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner. Buddy, okay. I've been reading. I don't know. It's crazy. I think he's plus 10,000 to one. This is, you just swing for the fence sometimes. Kevin Kisner. All right. I read weird like four articles about him this week. I'm like, I don't know what's going on with good old buddy Kevin, but he's, he's been added into my list. What'd you got him? 100 to one? 10,000 to one. 10,000. Sorry, 100. 100 to one. I can't. There's a lot of yeah, zeros yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, too many zeros. Uh, okay, so I'm between. He two... has no chance of winning, but apparently people like him. So oh, maybe he does. I got. Uh, I got. I'm between two long shots. To... Long shots. Tom Hoagie and Min Woo Lee. I mm. want to be there when Min Woo Lee wins. He's going to win eventually. He of course came second, or at least he was in the final pairing with Scotty Scheffler, and blew it. Uh, but I'm going to go Tom Hoagie for now. I think Tom Hoagie's playing at a really high level right now, so I will roll with Hoagie over Min Woo Lee, but I'm going to revisit Min Woo Lee. All right, so I got Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Hanley, Jason Day, Corey Connors, and Kevin Kistner. And you? Rom, Homa, Hoagie, Hovland, and my guy, Anyone Nick with Taylor. an H, eh? There you go. All right. Uh, I should have wrote them down. I was kind of scrambling there. No problem. Um, all right, we got our next guest online. Uh, Claude Nemhard, longtime basketball coach, former executive director of Ontario basketball, and of course, a proud dad of Andrew and Ryan, both playing in some important basketball um, in two different scenarios. One's in the NCAA tournament, Sweet 16. Uh, Ryan with the Creighton Blue Jays, of course, with, that's our new favorite team as well. And then Andrew with the Indiana Pacers, who's going to be joining um, Squishbank Arena tonight. Uh, how's it going this morning, Claude? Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Must be an exciting time for you. A proud dad uh, seeing your two sons do a lot of great things for their own right and also for Canadian basketball as of late. 
Now it's a great time to be an Emhard. Um, very proud of our kids, and um, yeah, it's a great time, no doubt. So, what's the travel schedule looking like in March? Like, are you bouncing around to different uh, courts? Are you kind of keeping a low profile? Are you going to be at the Sweet 16? Are you going to be at Scotiabank Arena tonight? Like, how many miles are you logging right now? Well, I mean, the goal at the beginning of the season is to see the boys once a month, um, wherever they are. But because of March Madness, um, we're seeing Ryan a little bit more right now, and we're trying to go to every venue he's at. So, and then the fact that Andrew's in town makes it very nice. So, it's all good. Uh, yesterday, he had a chance to come by for um, for dinner for the house, and um, that was nice. There you go. Uh, so, bigger night or a bigger week, I would say, for Ryan that it is for Andrew, but still a big game. Of course, a homecoming, an opportunity to play against the Raptors. That's all big stuff. Yeah. But I wonder when, like, the nerves start kicking in in a big a big week when you got big games, when you got a swix, seat, sweet 16 matchup, excuse me, uh, for Ryan with Creighton this week. Like, when do you start feeling the nerves, or are you guys all just calm, cool, and collected? Well, I think the boys are calmer than we are, um, mom and dad. Um, I guess it's nerve-wracking. It's, I mean, it's easier to coach when you're watching as a parent. For me, it's much harder because um, you don't really have any control. You have more control when you're coaching, so... It's nerve-wracking, definitely, to sit in the stands and watch, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. What's it like experiencing a rookie season for your son? I mean, like, you're talking about, like, what you can control, what what variables are within your control. I mean, this is kind of like a new experience, right? You're thrown into the professional ranks, uh, less of a profile, less of an importance to the team, maybe. There's some growth. There's some lumps. There's some there's a developmental process. What's it like, you know, seeing your son grow into his NBA career uh, as a rookie here and, and sort of a different role on a team and what it's like sort of dealing with that and, and consuming that as a parent? Well, it's all those things you just described. Um, and I've been, I've been in the space for a long time, but I think it prepares you for that for the NBA experience as a parent. Um, but we have a great team around us. We have a great agency, and they support us in every way. So we're very lucky. We're very lucky to, to go into this with some cheat codes and some experience. So as much as it's all new, we have a lot of people behind us supporting us. So I got a big part of his success. Plus, Andrew's a, he's a warrior, so he really wants this. So he's putting in the work. Not that I have any experience in this regard, but I guess with a parent, uh, you know, you have the first and then you have the second. It might be a little easier with the second, right? So you're going through uh, the NCAA tournament with the second. Were you able to, like, learn from the first round with Andrew uh, in multiple tournaments to deal with Ryan's tournament appearance and his run this year with the Creighton Blue Jays? Well, as much as we have experience being here with Andrew Gonzaga, it's still different. I mean, different teams, different times. This year's a crazy year. There's no really significant number one team, so anything can happen, as you've seen so far with the upsets. So, I mean, Creighton has had a, had a, had a great start to the year, had a bit of bumpiness with some injuries. Um, but I think we're playing the way we want to play and are supposed to play. So, you know, at this time of the year, you want to play your best at this time of the year, and hopefully we are. We talked a lot about uh, representing your country and the pride in that, obviously, with the World Baseball Classic we are teeing up today. But tonight is uh, celebrating Canada basketball at Scotiabank Arena. How important is it for the Nemhards to be you know, Canadian and represent that country as well and maybe down the line? Well, I mean, Andrew and Ryan have supported Canada basketball 
for as early as they can. They will continue doing fourth going forwards. Uh, Rowan Barrett's a very good friend of mine. And um, Andrew and Ryan were both in the Junior Academy, which is the first kind of start mm-hmm. to getting onto the national scene. Andrew and Ryan have both played cadet, junior men's. Andrew played senior men's. So, you know, whenever we're called on, if we're able to, we'll gladly wear the red and white. So you guys obviously made a lot of right decisions uh, during these two basketball paths, right? Like you just mentioned, uh, the academy that they both went to. uh, Andrew went to Florida, then transferred to Gonzaga. It was Creighton for Ryan. Like, how much work, how much time goes into making the correct decisions for an athlete, for an athlete that is also your son? Like, is is that was that one of the stressful things you guys went through? Was that easy to do? Like, how much? energy is expended into making the correct decisions for an athlete uh, and making the correct decisions for your sons? Well, I think it's a fluid process. There's no exact science to this. Um, And you kind of got to play it and go for the flow. Um, To answer your first question, there's a lot of energy put into this, um, but you still don't always make make the right decisions. So it's a process and um, you have to kind of go with it every year and reevaluate and make sure it's right for the individual child in place. So there's a lot of change uh, right now with like high school basketball, clearly in Toronto. There are a lot of specialized schools popping up. I have a couple family members that uh, attend a specialized basketball school uh, in the GTA right now. And it, it all seems so foreign to me because that it wasn't like that when I was going through the, the uh, you know, the schooling program, like there wasn't these opportunities um, but your kids played predominantly high school basketball in the United States, uh, and I don't know what their situation was exactly when they were coming up and what opportunities were available to them. But what do you make of uh, you know the foundation being laid right now in the GTA with all these new schools specializing in programs, feeding athletes into either the NCAA or to better prep schools in the United States? Like, How good of a job has Canada basketball done, the, the powers that be in Canadian basketball, and more specifically Ontario? Like, is this is this what we see at the NBA, the product of what's happening at the grassroots level? Well, that's, a loaded, that's a loaded question. Um, the, the, the reality is Ontario basketball, Canada basketball, um, it's a new landscape. Um, you're seeing a lot of prep schools propping up. Um, Ontario is home to one of the best prep leagues in, the, in, the, in North America called the Ontario Scholastic Basketball Association. Um, it's a great league, but it's not perfect. And it's trying, we have to always constantly tweak it as I'm still involved with Ontario basketball in a different role that I was in the past. And we're trying to tweak it and make it better. Um, but that really is kind of the high school cha- landscape has changed here. It's more the prep route. The, the former high school situation is not really the same. Offset is not what it used to be. Um, the OSBA is probably the highest level of basketball in the province. So, um, Canada basketball and Ontario basketball are working together to make a better league for the boys and the girls. So uh, that's, that's usually the, that's usually the pathway for some for a lot of scholarships. But there's many ways to skin a cat, and the prep route's not the only way to get a scholarship. Uh, Scotty Barnes and Precious Achua also attended the academy that your boys went to uh, in Florida. Uh, how much overlap did they have with those two? Uh, and what sort of, like, what's what's a practice, a game like there? Like, is it star-studded, and is it already at that level where there's so much attention on what's going on there with so much talent converging on one area? Well, I'm very biased towards Montford. Um, 
I think it's the best high school prep program in the country and probably the world. Um, when Andrew played his last year, we played against Scotty Barnes' team in the semifinals of Geico Nationals. And um, the next year, Ryan was there. So he had a chance to play with Scotty for one year. So that was kind of the overlap with them. And I think Ryan played with Precious. Andrew did not play with Precious. Mm. So it's all good. Uh, big night, big week for the Nemhards. Uh, enjoy all the basketball watching. Uh, we look forward to tracking your boys uh, and uh, you know seeing where, in sp- specifically, how far Ryan and, and Creighton can go in the NCAA tournament. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. That's Claude Nemhard, father of Andrew and Ryan, who are doing big things for Canada basketball. Big night tonight. Uh, Raptors have a lot of momentum at home, but, uh, you know, a lot of Canadians in action could make this a very spicy night in terms of maybe your betting perspective. But Raptors, uh, I believe, favorites once again at home. Continuing that. Big favorites. Maybe too big. Oh, I think we'll leave that alone. Though. That's not the route I'm going. Do you want to start with our picks? Because we got about, you know, nine minutes to get awake and rake yes. in, in the books. Um, okay, I'm just trying to load this. Let's get through the wake and So we obviously have Pacers and Raptors. No more World Baseball Classics, sadly, to decide um, where we're going. But we got Raptors minus 335 on the money line. Um, eight and a half point favorites against the Pacers. I really wanted to bet the Raptors tonight. I still might because it is seven in a row on home court. But I do believe that sometimes good things can come to an end and maybe the celebration of uh, some Canadians on the other side with the Pacers might be what stops them in their tracks. But uh, where are you taking your bat from? I'm looking for a Neb line. I'm not going to go with uh, anything basketball related, but uh, I'm not seeing anything up yet. I wanted to be able to Mm -hmm. at least that's where I was looking to provide that information. Maybe it's on the book you're on if we're on different ones, but I'm going to stick with the National Hockey League and one of the hottest teams in the league right now, a team that's in like a three-way tie essentially for the Central Division lead, that being the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, They're playing really, really well right now. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are a little spotty at the moment. So Colorado and Pittsburgh both on normal rest. Colorado at home, I'm going to take them on the three-way money line plus 100 against a Pittsburgh Penguins team that I just think is inferior. Uh, Colorado, I think, uh, might ride them till the wheels come off, at least okay. uh, down the stretch here, the regular season, because they do have a lot to play for, and maybe they are peaking at the right time. At least it seems that way with how they've uh, the, how they've played recently. So Colorado plus 100, three-way money line, win and regulation over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay, I want to go Cole through... Cole Harbour will be interested oh, in this one. That's right. The city uh, will be buzzing. Uh, let's go through the submissions first, because I'm still debating between two, and I want to kind of see... Where the day takes me. That's fair. All right. Uh, two for three, two days in a row. You know what they say. Third time's a charm. To break the hex, today's three-teamer will win you a beamer. Nuggets on the spread. Abs on the money line. Oilers on the money line. Payout is just shy of quadruple. The prosciutto is sliced thin today. See you all at the BMW dealership after it hits. I love when the prosciutto is sliced thin. But we're Don Valley North Lexus folks here. So. That's true. <laughs> right. uh, Ian, sorry. Uh, um, if Halliburton plays over nine and a half cis. Again, we don't have a line on anyone who's playing for Indiana tonight. Trent over 13 and a half points. Jakob Pertl over 30 points and rebounds at plus 110 against the 29th ranked defense uh, versus centers. Okay, that's an interesting little tidbit there. Yesterday, Ian says he had a typo, so I mentioned it again. Keep watching Walker Kessler. Yeah, it was a little... When I said I was like, that's, that's that person doesn't exist. Walker Kessler <laughs> over three blocks every game plus money, and it hits constantly. So Walker Kessler over on blocks. A couple plays there. Uh, with the Raptors and Pacers. 
All right, good morning. It's Corey from Port Hope here tonight. I like the over six and a half in the Avs-Penguins game. Yeah, the Avalanche have been dominating uh, in multiple ways. They beat Montreal 8-4. to Obviously, that wasn't over. They also just shut out the Chicago Blackhawks 5 nothing. So it feels like they could do it any way they like. They also beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in a shootout 2-1. So uh, they're, uh, they're an interesting case right now. But if they want to score seven, they might be able to do that themselves. Next up, Eric from Burlington. Good morning. Great World Baseball Classic. I agree. Time for the Blue Jays. I feel like the upcoming baseball season is an opportunity for another prop sheet. Hmm. I will submit a hot take starting Monday until opening day. But for tonight, I got the avalanche and regulation. I'm with you, Eric from Burlington over the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Avs are on a roll. Yes, they are. Good morning for today's anchor. I'll go with our Hall of Famer, but not for rebounds to go over 26 and a half points. And Jules will take clay over 21 and a half points. That's Ron and Jules. Yeah, our Hall of Famer, Julius Randall, a big, big night last time out. Uh, Duncan from Georgetown. Good morning to both of you. Love the show, but not much wow, value Duncan's today. Duncan's a new guy. Hey, what's up, Duncan? At all. Uh, yeah, what's going on, Duncan? Uh, Edmonton Oilers, in my opinion, on the money line or puck line, which gears me towards Connor McDavid over 0.5 goals at minus 138. So mm. an anytime goal scorer, Connor McDavid, even McDavid to score two, uh, we'll get him to 60. Ooh, I like a bottom that. team like Arizona. Is he already at 58? Wow. Uh, yeah, Connor McDavid chasing those goal marks. Not quite plus money, but uh, if you played the minus 138s down the stretch, you might be profit. I was looking to try to find a way to bet the Oilers as well, but... It's uh, pretty tough to find any value, so I like that one a lot. Uh, morning, guys. We have golf starting early with the Delmash play starting this morning. Break book Victor Hovland over Matt Cooch. Cooch. <laughs> Hovland ranks top 10 in strokes gained off the tee. Total driving and birdie average, all great match play. Jarrett from Halifax, you did put Victor Hovland in your selection. Yeah, so. he's on my team this week, so mm-hmm. maybe I'll play him today and watch Hovland versus Coocher. Uh And Cooch. lastly, we got Neil in Newfoundland. Good morning. Looks like Benoit Pair's mini career resurgence is bigger than yeah, I thought. Yeah, we're done with Benoit Pair. <laughs> yeah, he's Neil versus Pair is the uh, ultimate struggle right now. <laughs> the world Coconut, baseball classic. Coconut couldn't convert on four break chances in the first set. Could have changed everything. ATP Miami starts today. He's going with old reliable Andy Murray. Straight sets over Dusan Lajovic. Minus 130. Lajovic is a clay player primarily and doesn't have a good hard court record. Murray has been at the top of his game in the last few months. Neil from Newfoundland likes Andy Murray on the on the straight sets okay. line over Lajovic. All right, so I've decided where I'm going. Um, Sixers are playing the Bulls. We just talked about this MVP race, which is red hot. I believe we picked Joel Embiid last week over points, assists, and rebounds, and he smashed it. Um, it's only at 49.5, only at 49.5 tonight, but I'm going to put that in. Got a lot to prove right now down the stretch, and he's currently, I believe, the favorite, right? Yes. So you want to keep a tight grasp on that one? Joel Embiid over points, assists, and rebounds tonight. Little revenge spot here because the 76ers just lost one mm-hmm. in double overtime, I believe, to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they can't afford to lose games if they want to win That's the right. Atlantic. I don't know how much that really matters to them, but... Uh, uh, yeah, they dropped one in Boston, one last night. So uh, the pendulum has swung towards the Celtics. we got to choose one here from the submissions. Anything stick out to you? Um, what about you? <laughs> Honestly, it's uh, nothing's jumping. we got no overlap. Uh, we've got avalanche and regulation already. Maybe we pair that with the over six and a half goals. All right. I'll let you choose today. I'd be okay with riding Julius Randle, too, Yeah, if you want. That's true. He's been pretty Over 26 and a half good. points. Hovland over Kuchar. Nah. I could I could throw a little golf in there. You want to go Hovland over Kuchar? I like that. Okay, um, let's do it. Hovland over Kuchar is... So there's two ways to bet this, right? There's just 
straight out round matchup. And we got to do the round matchup. Okay. But so they play together match in match play, so it yeah. should be just the round, right? So, well, there's, yeah, minus 148. I actually like that. I mean, Hovland is by far the superior yeah. player right now. Perfect. Let's do that. Um, okay, so Colorado Avalanche on the regulation time three-way money line over the Penguins. Joel Embiid over points, assists, and rebounds at 49.5, and Victor Hovland to beat Matt Kuchar altogether. That is plus 557 today's wake and rake. Love it. It's I like it, too. It's good. It's got a little alt in it. We got to get more golf in our picks because... Uh, this is it. Siakam over one and a half three. Someone's saying that as well. Jer Bear from Barry just texted that in. Uh, so Gunner's on with you next week. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what the tournament is. Are you going to allow him to pick for me? Uh, that's up to you, man. I, uh, I mean, the golf guy can definitely make picks for me. I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know what? I'll allow it. Okay. I'm a team player. All right. I'm not going to sulk if he beats me. It's probably a good learning experience for me. It's a long PGA tournament season. It's all good. Yeah, so up 1,000 to zero. Almost had it last week as well. Um, but we got our team set for match play. There is that Punta Cana Classic this weekend, but we're not touching that. We're just doing match play, right? Uh, yeah, let's just do the match play. I will quickly pull up who the favorite is. I don't even the Punta know who's Cana playing Classic. in that. I don't even know if I can find it here quick enough. Uh, but if you're not playing at the WGC, then you're you're not one of the big guys. Wyndham Clark sure. is the favorite. Our guy, Wyndham And Joel Clark. Damon. Oh, my God. Those are my guys from last week. I should get those. Taylor Pendrith in the top you, four. You get those two, I get the field? Sure. What? That's a terrible deal for uh, you. Whatever. That's Live a, a terrible deal. Live a little. All right. Uh, Raptors hosting the Pacers tonight, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Canadian basketball night at Scotiabank Arena. Leafs continuing on their road trip. They got the Panthers tomorrow night. And uh, Blue Jays are also at 1 p.m. today. Opening day just around the corner. So much excitement. We got to flip the page. Say goodbye to the World Baseball Classic until 2026, and it's all Blue Jays. Hello to the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's do it. All right, tomorrow's Baby Friday. One of our favorite days of the week, but real Friday for Justin is he's off Friday, so better have a good one tomorrow. I will. All right, see you then. I plan to.